Introducing the former two-time undisputed world champion in two different divisions from Atlanta, Georgia, Evander Field, Field, Holy Field. A warm welcome to the latest of our exciting ringside specials where we get to chat to the very cream of the boxing world. Few fighting heroes of our modern era have epitomised the word gladiator more than this man. We're delighted to see the former undisputed cruiserweight champion, former undisputed heavyweight champion. Quite simply the real deal, wasn't he? No more titles left to mention. Welcome, Evander <laughs> Holyfield. Welcome to England and welcome to, to ringside. Did you realise... Uh, how many fans you had over here. We've got a, a live audience here today clamouring in to see you as well. Did you realise how big you were over here in, in the UK? Well, you know, not really. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> it's, good, you know, it, it's good to know that, you know, you know how the support system and stuff like that. I, I actually, the first time I fought overseas as a professional, you know, I didn't know how big the, the TV, TV actually extended. And, and I went, I went to Paris, mm. and I was fighting over there, and the people started blowing the horn, and I'm like, and, and the people get out their car and start running. I started running, too. <laughs> I, I, I thought something was happening. <laughs> I ran in the restaurant, and people came in there, and they, of course, I don't speak French, so they, I didn't know what they were saying. They said, you hold it, Phil? And I said, yeah. Oh, they, they seen you fight. Uh, oh, okay, you know, I was, but you know. I wasn't going to see what happened. I had to, I had to run to make sure I was safe yeah. first. What, what got you into the sport in, in the first place, and, and who was responsible for that? Well, actually, you know, you, know, you know, I live in a very poor neighborhood, and I live in a neighborhood that they said you ain't going to be nothing. They just already given. It's, it was kind of sad that the older people have given up on dreams, and any time you try to do something, they would cast you down. So I was sent to the boys club. So when I went to the boys club, the boys club had a nice facility and all this, and that's where I started playing football. When I came up, I seen somebody hitting the speed bag. And I wanted to hit the speed bag. I wanted to learn how to do it. And they said, you had to be on the boxing team. So I told them I want to be on the boxing team. They said, no. And I kept asking, I kept asking, took two weeks. Finally, the man let me in. And then after I got in, the guy seen me hit the bag, and he told me, do you know who you can be like? I said, no, sir. He said, you can be like Muhammad Ali. And I looked at him, because you know what? He was a white. This white man was telling me, a black person, that I could be something that Ain't nobody, number one person ever told me I could be something good was my mama. And all of a sudden, I finally had somebody who agreed with my mama I could be something worth, be something worth being. So he asked me, what you think? I said, I gotta ask my mama. <laughs> <laughs> and I went home, asked my mama, and my mama said I could. And I went back to the gym and told that man, and that man was so happy, and he 
start, start training me. How old were you? Eight years old. So he wasn't an unruly child uh, uh, that, that, that walked into the sport. Ali's story was someone stole his bike and he drifted into the, the boxing club and, and the rest is history. Uh, yours was very different from that. Well, yeah, mine, mine was different because I wanted to be something. See, but you know, I, I'm the youngest at nine in my family. My brothers and sisters used to wear me out. <laughs> so you know what? I wanted to be better than my brothers and sisters. I was trying to find something that I could do. And you know, boxing was the sport that kind of gave me that opportunity. Did it come naturally to you? No, it wasn't natural because you know what? I was scared just like all the other kids. And I remember when my first fight, my coach said, you see that kid back there? I said, yes, sir. He said, when that bell ring, I want you to run out there and hit him in the nose. I looked at the kid and his coach told him to hit me in the nose. He said, okay, now when it's bell ring, you run out there and hit him in the nose. The bell rung, I ran out there, and he ran out there. And when we got close to each other, he closed his eyes. <laughs> I didn't close my eyes because I know he closed his. And I hit him right in the nose. And he started crying. <laughs> and my when they, they stopped it and they raised my hand, my coach told me this. You took your first step in being the heavyweight champion of the world. And that's how I started. Was, was Muhammad Ali the inspiration for you? Was he the hero you looked up to? Well, well, you know, he was because the fact is all the things that he went through. And you know, you, you find out in life that my mother always told me is, is somebody paid a price that you don't have to pay. And this is the reason why you be uh, appreciative. And you know, and it's the same thing. My mother even told me about herself. She said, son, I have made some mistakes is it wrong for me to want you to be better than me? My mama wanted me to be better, like that. And so, you know, I was able to learn from my mother. My mother said, I had a bad mouth. I don't want you to have a bad mouth. You learn to control your tongue. And so only thing that I actually achieved in my life was the things that my mother had problems in. You know, because people always say, how in the world can that guy just hold his tongue? Because my mama used to run her mouth. My mama said, you're not going to be like me. And my mother said, I want you to be better. And like that. So I learned how to control my tongue. And so I'm here today. I'm able to tell the people it's not, it's not wrong for your mother or your parents or your father to want you to be better than them. Each generation is supposed to get better. You keep mentioning your mom. What was... Uh... What was your family's uh, attitude when you decided you wanted to, to fight? The thing is, is that when I was a kid, when I lost my first match when I was 11 years old, and I started crying, and I told that man I didn't like him, I ain't want Now, the same man who took care of me like I was his grandkid, and he meant he cherished me. All of a sudden, when it didn't go my way, as a kid, I told that man I didn't like him no more. <laughs> I don't like him. And I went home and I told my mama. And my mama told me, I didn't raise a quitter. You going back. I guess it was my mother said I had to go back. I don't have no choices. It's not like today. You get to say, I don't want to go. No, my mom said I had to go back. I had to go back. And I went back and I fought that kid. The difference is, is this. When you grow up as a kid, 
you're going by what your brothers and sisters tell you and the people, your environment. I stayed in a black environment where they told me white boys can fight. But they were lying because this white boy I fought beat me. And, and of course, you know, but I, they, my coach told me I could be the champ. I thought to be the champ, you couldn't lose. So this is my first match. So when I lost, I was just, you know, I was just really bombed out. Mm -hmm. And because I thought I couldn't reach my goal. And so, so I wanted to quit. And so, of course, when my mom and I told my mom, but I lost, said, how in the world I'm going to be the heavyweight champ? Then my coach and my mother said the same thing. In life, everything is not going to go your way. If you quit, you'll never reach your goal. So I found out that the people who make mistakes end up being better because they learn from their mistakes and they be able to help somebody else. Because you know what? There's a lot of people make mistakes. My mama said, anybody living in this world make mistakes. So everybody make mistakes, but a good attitude will give you another chance. And that attitude took you through a successful amateur career. How do you look back at that part of your, your boxing life? Well, that's, that's what's the most, the purest form uh, of learning because when you know, when an amateur, you don't choose your opponent. You don't get to say, I want to fight first or last or anything. And you don't, you don't really choose what weight that you really want to come in. You know, as a kid, I started at 65 pounds. Mm. I fought mm. every division. And it's, and it's just like a kid. That guy, you know, here I am. I'm, I'm you know, I'm nine years old. That guy, 11. I'm, I'm afraid of that guy at 11 years old. He got them big old arms. Oh, man, he, his arm big. Oh, he looked me. So I went through all these different stages. Because I went through all these different stages, by the time I turned professional, you know what? Size didn't make a difference. Yeah, it didn't make a difference how you look. You can't beat that guy and think you're going to beat me. See, all these things kind of allowed me to be in the position when everybody started telling me about what this guy Mike did. It, it didn't face me because the fact of the matter, you know, looks don't make a fight. What you did to that person, it don't mean you're going to do it to me. You know, it's a, my mother said, 99% of the time, the person who outworked people is the one who get it. So that's a price that everybody got to pay for what they really want. Are you willing to pay that price? And so I was the guy that was convinced that if you're willing to pay the price, you can get it. You may not get it when you want, but you'll get it eventually. It seems like mental strength uh, was, is, was the key to your success all the way through your career. You know, it, it, it's true when it, it comes down to mental strength is in all in what you believe. And so, you know, people have to choose the thing that it takes to get there. For one thing that I had a mama who didn't play. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I became who I Discipline. Am. Discipline. Yeah. Yes. Let's go to the uh, Los Angeles Olympics. Uh, you got disqualified against Kevin Barry. Yes. Did, you, did you get a bronze medal? Yes, I did. Okay. I still have it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> how, how did you take the disqualification? Explain us, explain us through that. I was the only fighter that at that time, every time I fought a guy, I'd knock him out. The first guy in the Olympics, I knocked him out in the third round. The second guy, I knocked him out in the second round. The third guy I fought, I knocked him out in the first round. When Kevin Barry came, he knew he was going to get knocked out, and I did. But I got disqualified because they said I hit him on the break. But when they showed the slow motion, they, they showed that I didn't hit him on the break. 
you obviously turned professional very soon afterwards. Were you always going to do that, or did you think I might have to do a number of jobs along the way? Or? Well, you know, after that disappointment, everybody wanted to sign me. Everybody wanted to sign me. Don King, everybody. Everybody in boxing wanted to sign me. And you wanted to go pro then? Well, you know, I would, I would go pro, because the point of the matter is that when, when you made it that far, where else can you do but the GoPro? And so, you know, I, I chose to go with main events. Yeah. And they, they, did a, they did a great job. How did you manage to do it? Because a lot of fighters, when they, when, they, when they first start professional, they've not got the financial backing to help them support themselves. So they, they do different jobs to try and get along the way. Did you have to do that? Or were you always promoted or sponsored by somebody financially? No, my, my first, my first, my first, sponsor was uh, this car salesman, a guy named Ken Sanders. And before I, before I, before I went to the Olympics, I, I went to buy a car and I ain't have no credit. I said, but I don't have no better credit. They said, but you ain't got no credit at all. <laughs> I said, so what that supposed to be? They said, that means that- You don't get a car. <laughs> nobody even know who you are. But then you got no credit record, so they, they not gonna go. And I'm like that. So, so I asked them, could I speak to the owner? So they, so they brought the owner, and I said, my name is Evander Holyfield. And he said, and? Hmm? <laughs> I said, uh, you got the paper? I said, okay, look in the paper. The guy looked in the paper. I said, you can see I just won a gold medal, and I'm getting ready to go to the Olympics. I'm getting ready to go to the Olympics, like that. He said, I see a Michael Grogan. He said, but I don't see you. I said, you know, it's in the little prints. I said, but it's me. <laughs> and what they had, they had the guy, Michael Grogan, who was the full-time, he had won the thing four times. So they had his picture. But I was in the lines, and I showed him the line. You know, I, I, I was happy that I was in the paper. So he looked at me, he said, he said, I'm going to the Olympics. He said, well, can I sponsor you? I said, yeah, you can. And he sponsored me. So he, when he came down, he saw me fight in Olympics. And he was like, man. But, and he just did it just cause he wanted to tell his friend. So I got him an opportunity to come down on the floor and meet the fighters and all this. And just so happened, I was the guy that was knocking everybody out. And, and everybody knew that I was the guy. So when, when, when the thing was over, I, I, you know, I hired him to be my, be my manager. And he told me, I don't know nothing about boxing. I said, it's okay. Do you know how to count money? He said, yeah. <laughs> I said, you count the money and I I'll fight. I'll the boxing. <laughs> <laughs> Main events really propelled your, your career in those early days. But they moved you quickly, didn't you? I mean, it was a number of fights. And then Dwight Muhammad Corey in a fabulous fight. I go into that fight, and the only thing that actually propelled me to, to win is what this guy said to me. Do you not know that guy called me a baby? <laughs> he said, I can't believe y'all sent a baby to do a man job. How could y'all put a baby to, no, I was 23 and he was 30, he was 32. Mm. He said, I can't believe y'all sent a baby to do a man job. Then he reached on the table and come back and start throwing pampers at me. He's like, this is a <laughs> I'm like, yeah. 
we on television, on national television, and he throwing pampers at me, and you know, and you know, my mama, my mama, my mama like said, son, you just let this guy just throw these pampers at you. <laughs> I said, mama, you told me not to say nothing. <laughs> so, so my mama was upset and all this. Now this guy was a, a tough guy because you know he came from wrong way prison. He came from prison. Now this guy killed his dad because his dad had said something wrong to his mama. So you know he was a bad guy. So you know, I realized that you know it's easy to say I'm bad, but bad is when you went through it. So you know what? When we came to that fight, and it's a 15-round fight, after the third round, I get tired. And, and I started thinking, I was sitting on the bench, God, man, I got 14 more rounds. <laughs> so I go back out that next round, and in the fourth round, at the end of the bell, this boy hit me, bam, right on the chin. And I come back to the corner, and they looking at me, you all right? I ain't said nothing, I put my head down. And I said, Lord, please don't let me quit. Mm. I got 11 more rounds. <laughs> <laughs> I had 11 more rounds. And you know what? And I didn't remember no more rounds after that. Is that right? To the, to the 15 round. When I all of a sudden, the round card girl, came down and hit me with her knee on my leg. She walked that close to me, and I looked up and, and said, I made it. <laughs> 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 the 15 round. And so I went out there the 15 round and, you know, and, and did even better that 15 round. I almost had him hurt. Mm -hmm. Then he came on the last 10 seconds, and all of a sudden, the match is over. Greatest cruiserweight fight of all time, and, and you became the greatest cruiserweight ever. There was another cruiserweight hanging around at the time. You didn't want to go near I him, I was hanging he? around until he moved up and disappeared <laughs> out of that division. <laughs> you know what baffled me? After that, you, you unified the cruiserweight uh, division, and then you, you decided to step up to the, to the heavyweights. Why? Why do that? Well, you know, ultimately, I was told as a kid, you can be the heavyweight champ of the world. I wasn't told that you could be the cruiserweight champ of the world, <laughs> but you know what? That's it, but what actually happened, it came down to, I was sitting there, I was fighting. I made 200,000 a fight. Tyson was making two million a fight. I said, we sold out the same place. Matter of fact, his guys ain't fighting him. My guys fight me and I got to <laughs> knock him out. And, and so I asked the guy, you know what the guy said? Evander, you're a cruiserweight. He said, Do you, that means that you're too big, you, you're too big to be light heavy, and you're too small to be a heavyweight. Don't nobody care nothing about a cruiserweight. Either you're gonna be a heavyweight. I said, how much y'all give me as I move to the heavyweight? <laughs> you know what they said? You can't beat Mike Tyson. I said, what? what? I, said, I said, call the Olympic Training Center, cause you know, me and Mike, me and Mike, we were both losers trying to make the Olympic team in 84. Me and Mike was buddies. I'm the only one who can handle Mike then. I weighed 175 pounds, and Mike was 202. Tyrell Beard was 230-something, and he couldn't handle me. So I already knew that I could, I could go, but the point of the matter, who want to go up there anyway? I'm like, if I can win this, I might as well take it like this, but what was the goal? The goal was always to be the heavyweight. Then I said, well, okay, 
I think I step up there because you know what? 200,000 to 2 million, I think I, I take the big pie because I, I had the ability. Now, as cruiserweights, we're supposed to be small heavyweights. Stand up, let's have a look at the size of you. Now, we're about, you're about the same size as me, yeah? Mm -hmm. And we're class as small for heavyweights. Did you not think to yourself, when you're boxing guys like Riddick Bowe and people like that, that were massive, you thought, I'm too small for this? Well, no, 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 you gotta understand, because you know what? I told you I had them brothers and sisters. <laughs> who my mama said size don't make a difference. My mama said, son, do you know what everything is measured by? I said, no. Nah. She said, the things that people can't see. I said, my mama said, can you see your heart? She said, but you know you got one, right? I said, okay, then, who got the biggest heart? Don't know nobody know. It's up to you to, to determine how big your heart gonna be by how, how hard you gonna push. And that's what it was. So you got to heavyweight. The mm -hmm. dream, the riches was Mike Tyson, and you're sitting in Tokyo at ringside. Was your heart broken when Tyson got knocked out by Buster Douglas? Not at all. Not at all, because you know what? I never chased a guy. I chased the belt. So the belt is never going to go away, because when you lose, that belt going to go to that person. So I'm chasing the belt. So it's not about the individual. It's about the belt, what you want to attain. It's my goal is to be the heavyweight champ of the world. I'm the, it don't make no difference who get knocked out. If I want it, I, it's like it's good. But, that, but that's yeah. shockwaves through not just our sport, but the whole world, didn't it? When, when Douglas somehow destroyed Tyson. What were your thoughts at, at ringside? I, I believe you were sitting next to Ian Dark, our former commentator at the time, working alongside. What were you, what were you thinking then? Well, I'm just saying, you know, it's just the fact that people, people talk about how many seconds Tyson gonna knock Buster Douglas out. You know, my whole thing is, Buster Douglas was a good fighter. He actually really was a good fighter. I seen him fight. He, he, he don't drop people with jab. I'm telling you, he used to have that stiff jab. He dropped a lot of people with that strong jab. And you know, and he had a good jab, and that's what he kept Tyson on the bay with that jab. He eventually won that fight. So when it all happened, everybody telling me, I know you said you lost $15 million, but they never gave me the money. Mm -hmm. I have, you never lost so, it. So I ain't never lost. You can't lose nothing you never had. Come on, you got to be, I'm telling you, reality in life, you can't count something until it get in your pocket. <laughs> when, it, when it's yours, then you can say it's mine. But until you get it like this, but you know. So the, Douglas was the champion. You had to get him. I had to get him. That's the only thing that it switched over. But then I guess the most important thing about the Douglas thing is that I didn't have to talk. You know what? He talked for me. He said, I'm fighting Holyfield. Evander waited two years, and he didn't get no <laughs> opportunity. I'm going to give him this opportunity and all that. Did you believe that this would be an easier fight than the Tyson fight? Well, I, I, I don't think no fight easy. Ain't, ain't no fight easy. You know what? I got to train, and I, and I got to work hard and all this. And it's an expectation. You don't know what's going to rise up in that. But every fight is a different fight. But all of them tough. I'm saying, I think they should really pay you for your month, your month of things that you got to go through mm. in the training. I, you fight every day just for this one day. This one day for them 36 minutes that you're going to be in the ring, that, you know, you get a bonus if you do it early. But if you don't get it early, you go there, man, you, all this, all this wear and tear on your body, you, you sparring with all these other people. The dream, though, from a kid was to become the world heavyweight 
champion, you succeeded it, you destroyed Douglas. The celebrations afterwards, one of my early memories in, in the sport, and, and it, it was chaos in the ring. It must have just been incredible for you to be in that it, position. It, it, it was, because you know what? And, and as a lot of people don't even understand, when, when you reach the date of your destiny, of your goal, and I remember walking down there to the, walking down there to the ring, and you know, and what happened was, I'm like, you know what, dream can't come true. I'm walking down the ring. I'm saying to myself, dream can't come true. But only difference is you get an A or F. You gonna get an A that you you made it, or you gonna get an F that you failed. And I said, wow, this is something. I said, how many years that was? 20 years. It was 20 years since that day that that man told me I could be the heavyweight champion of the world. And I made up my mind going in that ring. I ain't doing that for 20 years to get a help. <laughs> that means that all my time was in burden. And, and I made it. Great having the names of Foreman, obviously, on your, on your record in, in those days. But, but take it back, how do you think you may have fared with a sort of Foreman at his prime or, or an Ali at his prime? I mean... Fraser. Fraser, yeah. Ken but, Norton. But you know what? You see, that stuff's kind of like what they call a fantasy. Absolutely. So, but you know what? But my coach always told me, when I first got into boxing, you know the first thing he told me, he said, let me tell you something, a goal and a fantasy is too different. Mm -hmm. He said, now a goal is when you want to be something you work at. A fantasy when you want to be something and not work at it. He says, now, you know, and the fantasy stuff, you leave the fantasy thing alone. So I would talk to the, uh, 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 I would talk to reality, reality that they was older. Now, either they gonna get in there and fight, and, or you gonna be talking about, oh, when I was young, I would've did it. It ain't about that, it's about the now. We yeah. live in the now. We can't be playing with the fantasy, and that would happen, because, you know, people playing the football fantasy and all this, and they, and they talking about they the best. I'm saying, get out there on the field and see what you can do. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's a lot different than what it, what it, what but the fantasy games and stuff like that. So, so when it came down to that, I, I never, I never let somebody get me in the real. What would have happened? I said, well, you know, we're in a two different age, age thing. You know, we know that the future is, is the best. You know, when when you get people saying if if I were, they were old and they tell me if they were young, ah, you know, you don't understand. Mm -hmm. It'd be different. You'll find out you left something. A lot you wouldn't have known, but you know because you're older. The reality is that it was going to get tougher and tougher because you were the guy they all wanted to be. I remember smoking Burt Cooper had you in a little biz, <laughs> didn't he? And then, and then you went in with the big man, the big daddy, Riddick Bowe, which was obviously the start of a, an incredible trilogy. But... Uh, how did you deal with the fact that he was so big, such a great inside fighter for a heavyweight? Well, it was just, you know what? The first fight with Reddy Bow is Reddy Bow was the first person to ever get to me, get to me personally because Reddy and I were buddies. You know how somehow you talk to your buddies, you think you joke with him and all this, but your but my mama said, but when joking, some of the other stuff is real, even in a joke. So when you listen to people, you have to recalculate all this stuff. So, you know, Bo, Bo was my sparring partner before he went to the Olympics. Then he lost against Lennox. He come back with the silver medal. Mm -hmm. And so Bo go out and do his thing because mm -hmm. he, he was the star of his guy. Then all of a sudden, he's undefeated, I'm undefeated. And Bo said, he tell me in a press conference, let me tell you something. 
a good big man better than a good little man. And you know, I'm like, I ain't taking an eye, he said. Then all of a sudden he said, let me tell you something. If you don't run, I'll knock you out. Oh. And you know what? My mama said, coward die too many times. My mama said, don't be no coward, die one time, that's it. Ain't no sense of dying all the time. So you mean that, you know, people who, who do like this, you know, they die too many times. So, you know, the big thing was he got me off a game plan because, you know what? And the first, if you if you go spin that tape back, the first three rounds, I was beating him. Then he started hitting me low. Then all of a sudden, I started going toe-to-toe -to -toe with him. Then my corner kept telling me, Evander, no, not time. It ain't time. But I just kept on. I thought he going to run out of gas. You know, he didn't run out of gas. When they told me to move, both of my eyes were swollen up, and I couldn't move. <laughs> That's what I wanted see. you to do, though. I wanted you to yeah. come to him. That's why. Yeah, he... but you know what? You know, I didn't think of it at that time, because you know what? You know, yeah. After you see the tape, you can you can make some adjustment. But in that in that fight at that time, I thought he gonna run out again. Well, I tell you, I'm sure everybody in this studio and, and millions around the world have wound that tape back many many times because it was one of the great heavyweight fights. And in the tenth round, I think one of the most spectacular mm. three minutes we've ever had. I don't know how you got through that. Well, God, because you know what? Because you know what? When I'm sitting here, when that boy, you know, when he hit me with the uppercut, I'm telling you, almost like he knocked my head off. And I was like, oh, help me, Jesus. <laughs> Did he used to say that? <laughs> oh, Jesus. Oh, I'm telling you. I'm telling you, you know, this boy was hitting me like this, and all of a sudden he was hitting me like this, and I got my composure, and he had ran out of gas. And I said, oh, oh now, boy, you're going to pay. And all of a sudden, boy, I, was, I ran and changed it back up on him and just, just didn't have enough time. And when I ain't have enough time, the bell ring, I said, oh, my goodness, I got to go through this one more time. <laughs> and I think the great thing about Nevada Holyfield fight mm -hmm. is none of us knew what was going to happen. I remember in the uh, Caesars Palace in, in Vegas in the open air when the rematch came and we were interrupted by a fan man at, at ringside. I mean, only in boxing. What, what was your take on it during when that happened? I, and man, you know, you're talking about somebody who was angry, mad, because you know what? At that time, I finally broke Red and Bow to the reality would I, so me, me, me and Bo and I, when we were sparring partner, Bo would always go hard, and but he would run out of gas, and i beat the daylights out of him. You know what? Finally, in this fight, I was busting him up. <laughs> he had the cut on the head, he was bleeding, his nose was bleeding, and he had, you know, the, the person had that sympathy look, oh, he just, he, he go, and all of a sudden, here's this guy come in and this thing crash in this thing. For I was so mad, I started to jump out there and hit it myself. <laughs> I was so upset. And I did. And you know what? They give us 20 minutes. They give us 20 minute break. I just got the big man where he was tired. Now all of a sudden, I got to go back in this with this vicious guy again. Now, all of a sudden, his head ain't bleeding no more. And, and now he get that look and get uh, <laughs> He get that look up to Reddit Bowl. is just a big guy in here. And 
That's when he named himself Big Daddy Bo. He loved being big. So you know what? That's what that was his whole point. But you got him down the stretch, yeah. and there was that iconic shot of Emmanuel Stewart in your corner coming over and rugby tackling you at the at the end at the bell to to get you two apart. I mean, amazing days, weren't they? Well, the heavyweight yeah. division yeah. then. Yeah. Well, you know what? Because you know what? You didn't get the chance to choose your opponent. See, and saying that's the difference between boxing now. Everybody don't got prima donna. They get to choose who they want to fight. Man, if I chose who I fight, now I. They wouldn't be calling me the real deal no more, because I'm going to choose everybody I know I can bust up. You know? <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> but the, the, the difference is, the difference is, is that the fact of the matter is that, you know what, Mike was always capable of hitting you with that one shot. But you know what? The point of the matter is that it didn't make no difference. I was geared up. I, I got hit. Only difference is that people who get knocked out a lot of time are the people who didn't see the shot. I'm telling a lot of times, so you know, Mike is as explosive as he is. So you know, it's like with me, I'm already know that. See, Mike, you don't go back. Mike, you come forward. Mm. That's it. Cause you know he throw wide shot and he throw long shot. Cause he he got short on me. He don't throw it. He don't he don't tighten it up unless he go into the body. But all his shots here, he throw looping because he know that he got short arms, so he throw long. So you know what? If you lean like this, it go behind your head. So the whole big thing, I studied Mike. Mike is the, the fighter that I was more prepared for because how good he was. I can remember seeing him bite your ear, ear, spit a piece of your ear out onto the canvas, and you still wanted to get the job yeah, done. Yeah, yeah because the art of the game is the art of the game was. The fact is, in me fighting Tyson, and coming into the fight, this prophet told me, he said, oh, Evander, let me tell you something. Something bad going to happen. I said, what? He said, something in your facial area is going to happen. And I said, so? He said, he said, he said but you got to keep your mind on God. He said, he said, you understand? I said, yes, sir. So I tell my corner guy, I tell my corner guy, I said, now, look, you, now, if something happened, you heard what the man said, you're going to be responsible for that, right? I'm going to be responsible. Okay, then. So, so when Tyson bit my ear, I, I, jumped, I jumped up. Boy, I, I was so mad. Now, you got to understand, I'm from the ghetto, too. Now, everybody, somebody tend to think that I ain't from the ghetto, but I am. And so, you know, you go back to what you were taught. Anytime somebody do something to us, what we do it? We do it back and mm -hmm. we do it worse. So the whole big thing is that I did like this. Oh, and he pushed me in my back and, and everybody said, oh, Evan is such a nice guy. He pushed Evan, Evan didn't do nothing. But you know what? They didn't know that the next time they said, come and fight, I was going to grab him. I was going to maul him. I was going <laughs> to bite the daylights out of him. But it took so long for all this. My corner guy said, Evander, keep your mind on the Lord. I don't call it good. You know I can't do it now. I've been warned already. So that means if I've been warned, then what is it? There ain't no excuse. That guy's he said, keep your mind on God. But religion was a massive thing for you. Yeah. Through but, all of this. But that's what I'm saying. But when you don't, when you don't, when you ain't, when you ain't in that in that capability to do so, but this is the reason why I told the guy to remind me. Now for me to do it now. After I've been told, mm -hmm. now, whatever happened, now, boxing wouldn't probably be there. They probably just spend boxing forever. We had the two greatest fighters, and ladies and gentlemen, look what they did. They mauled each other. They beat each other up and all that. They made, they could have banned boxing if I would have went on and did what I said. You know, we know the Evan was a good guy. If he can snap, then anybody can snap. You know, so the whole big thing, by me not doing it, by me forgiving him, it was a whole thing because you know what? When people say, how can you do it? I said, cause this prophet told me before I got in the ring, I told my guy, and my guy was right there, and he was screaming it loud too. And you wanted to box on. You didn't want I, out, you I wanted to box on. Yeah, I, you know, I wanted to box on because, you know, I wanted to get revenge. You know what I'm But seeing that's what happened, in other words, it's showing you, I'm human just like you. Mm. I want to get it myself. 
What was the pain like when he bit you? Oh, you're a you know, I had to bite you and let you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'd rather not. What was your relationship like with Mike? Outside the ring, how long did it take for you guys to... Oh, there was never to, a third to, fight, to was there? Well, you know, no, see, what happened, after that happened, I think two weeks later they had, they had uh, an NBA All-Star basketball game in New York. I'm at the All-Star game, sitting down, and everybody just starts screaming, saying, yeah, hold it, watch out, watch out. And I'm like, what in the world? Everybody just screaming. And I look up, it's Mike Tyson. He got on that big mink, got his hair, and he put his hand over the rail like this. And I look like this, and you know, I'm like, All right, I'm a dead dog. <laughs> I turn around, and, and, and he held the hand out, and I shake his hand. He says, it's all good. And I said, yeah. Like this, and everybody said, man, how, how in the world are they going to shake hands? They should be fighting. Who fight for free when you got paid? <laughs> I said, you got to think about it. See, people ain't thinking. People, when they see us together, and they think we just supposed to fight. Here's a man who probably don't make, and me and him fighting together, he probably don't make 60 million, and I made 60 million. Now, do you actually think we're going to do it for free now? We kept, obviously, very interested in the Evander Holyfield story because of Lennox Lewis and the, the undisputed heavyweight championship and all of that. Of course, New York, you, you mentioned earlier that, that you weren't well going into that fight, but it was, a, it was a massive event, a big happening, a lot of Brits out in New York, and then the scandal, the controversy about the decision. Your take on that fight? Well, well you know, I'm right still today is this. What... What people, when, when it, when it comes down to the game of boxing, you got to understand, when I fought Mike Tyson, the first fight, he had two belts. He had a WBA and a WBC. Because Mike decided to fight me, they stripped Mike of the WBC belt. But for rightly, if they didn't strip him, I would have had a WBA and a WBC. Then, when I beat, beat Michael Moore for the IBF, I would have had all the belts. So coming into the fight, to fight Lennox, I'm conceived to really, really the champion because I fought the person. And so, so, and the fact is, Lennox and I are fighting, yeah, I did say I was going to knock him out the third round, but I said I was going to knock him out the third round because he told me I was a hypocrite. And all this, and he was telling me, and all this. So the whole big thing is that I said something I shouldn't have said. I ain't think I could knock the boy on third round. How in the world am I gonna knock somebody that big and that strong <laughs> and all that? Who that good? I thought I said it out of anger, but I should admit it that I said it out of anger. But I did say it out of anger. I didn't think that I I could do that, but I was gonna try. <laughs> you mentioned he was he was your nightmare kind of fight. He's tall, he's long, he's yeah, gonna yeah, box yeah. you long. So you knew it was a, a tall order even before you got in there. Well, exactly. And you know what? Every time I try to get close to him, he get away from me, man, get away from me. And you know what? He it's a whole big thing is that so I couldn't get to him. So how I'm gonna get close to a guy when I know that he can hit hard that right hand and he is strong. So 
everything. So he kept me on the outside and all this. So the whole big thing, it was, it was the most awkward fight in the world. People booing. I don't like booing. I'm trying to make him fight. He won't fight, and he and he catch me these shots. But but the man, the, the shot, he was just pointing. He didn't do enough. Did you agree with the decision? Yeah, I agree with the decision because he didn't do enough. I'm telling if if I was him, I would have bust me up. I would have did that. Cause you know what? Cause he he bust me a drum. You know, he busts me a drum, and, I, and I'm, I'm on the rope, and he don't do nothing. And so he, he played it safe. So he only thing that he said that you didn't knock me out. I said, you're right. I know I didn't knock you out, but you ain't do nothing. His manager, Frank Maloney, called it a robbery. There was New York Post headlines, FBI involved, well, Eugenia they, Williams. They call it a draw. So it's fair. He didn't lose what he had, so I ain't lose what I had. So in the next fight, now, the next fight, the second fight, we fought. Leonard fought a great fight. But still, he didn't take it from me. It could have been a draw. But they gave, what they did, somebody said, it's even. Now they took it from you. I said, no, no, no. You realize? I said, you're wrong. I said, they didn't take nothing from Leonard in the first fight. I said, in the second fight, whatever I said, yeah, I thought you won this one. I said, okay, then. If you thought I won, then, then why didn't Well, they did that last time. I know I did. I said, they didn't take it from me. You won the WBA title against John Ruiz. Yeah. What was your dream then? What was your chance after? You'd done everything by then. You'd, you'd beat the, the big names in the you division. You kept saying, I want to be undisputed. I want to be the undisputed. So but you you're know 42, 43, 44, I, 45. Yeah, but, you know, y'all got to understand. I'm in good shape. If you were to see me now, I could still do it. And the only thing that I did, I asked the Clisco, would y'all, would you like to fight me? Looking back at it now, yeah. who's the best? Tyson, Lewis, Bo, or Holyfield? Well, well, you know, it's who won, who did it in the ring? I did it in the ring. That's all I say. When they said, even when they talk about Ali, they say, who the greatest? I said, you know, I said, in opinion, it's gonna be Ali. I said, but if you ask what they did in the ring, I said, you have to say me. I said, so either way it go, I just said, you know what? Everybody can have their opinion, but ain't no opinion about what they did in the ring. Who won the most belt? The real deal? Holyfield. What do you think of the new breed of heavyweights coming through? Well, no. of course, it's, it's different. You know what? They ain't got no foundation. You know, they got to go back and they got to go back and, and see, the, the big guys these days, they start boxing when they become big. You got to box while you live. And like, you got to get these fundamentals. You got to learn how to work with the speed and learn, mm -hmm. to, learn to finesse the game of boxing. Before, that, that's the reason why you don't have nobody to stay that long. Now, the Clisco stayed a long time because the fact is they start when they were young and all that, too. Now, you ain't got nobody younger than them doing it. They want to wait till they get big and strong, then learn how to box. Then, you know, you're behind the curve. We've got uh, questions from the audience. Uh, uh, Kasim Aslam, uh, he's got a first question for you. Yeah, I just wanted to ask, um, do you think that the whole infamous air-biting incident, did it affect you more psychologically than, than it did Tyson, or do you think it was the other way around? Well, I think it affected him, because you know what? It gave me an opportunity to tell people what forgiveness really was about. I'm saying, so, so people relate to me more when I say, you have to forgive. I said, well, I'm the one who got bit. I said, but it was kind of sad that 
they charged him $3 million, they didn't give me none of the money. <laughs> said, that was wrong. <laughs> I got the pay. <laughs> I jumped up and down. Uh, next question uh, from Chris. Who is your most favorite active fighter? Uh, active fighter, I, 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 would say, I would say Mayweather. I would say, you know, the point of the matter, regardless of what people say, until you can beat him. Next question from Jessica. Hi there. Um, what was your favorite round of boxing throughout your career? I, I just take it back to amateur. In amateur, my, my favorite round was the first round. Because when nobody going to beat me when I had energy. They were going to beat me. I'd like just to ask how you'd like to be remembered for what you have given to the sport of boxing and to the people, the fans out there. Now, I wanted to be, I wanted to be remembered as a great champion and a person who, when he came down this fight, he fought. He came in there, he looked good. He was in shape all the time. That's my whole thing. My, my character is that, you know, you know, I look like I'm supposed to win, and I do. That's, that's how you're supposed to look. Because, you know, you have some fighters who, who actually, actually won but didn't look like they should have won because they, they ain't take care of it. They ain't sloppy. But you know, I want to slap a fighter. I, I want to be that, that person that when everybody say, Evander Holyfield, somebody say, yeah, he was a good guy. Oh, he was a nice guy, but fighting, he, he fought. He gave you what you paid for. You know, I want to be the person who they say, you know what, he's a real deal. Ladies and gentlemen, the great man, the real deal. Thank you very much.